So how are you doing collecting your agency's ground ambulance cost data? What? You haven't begun? Oh boy. Well, it's time to begin. So in our Board & Collar podcast series, we've been slicing and dicing the online cost data collection instrument to help you understand what to expect when reporting your 2020 costs in early 2021. In this episode, we start taking a look at the very complex Section 7 pertaining to staff and labor costs. We'll roll out several podcasts on this section to help you better understand what you'll face when reporting. So buckle up and get ready. It's a marathon and not a sprint. And we're really glad to run alongside of you as you begin this cost data journey. We're really glad you're here today. Welcome to the QMC Board and Collar. News and thought-provoking discussion for today's emergency medical service professional. The Board and Collar podcast series is brought to you by QuickMed Claims, a national leader in emergency medical transportation revenue cycle management and reimbursement consulting. Now, your host for today's Board and Collar podcast from QMC's business development team, Chuck Humphrey. So today we continue our series of podcasts to dissect the Medicare ground ambulance data cost collection instrument, which is central to the federal government's ground ambulance cost data reporting initiative. We're taking a look at the online tool where ambulance service leaders will be reporting their costs to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, beginning for those services randomly sampled this year in the very first reporting phase. Now, Section 7 of the reporting tool pertains to staffing and labor costs. This section opens with two basic questions, aptly and simply labeled question 1 and question 2. The entire Section 7 asks respondents to answer questions to report the number of individual staff members, categorize them into job duty functions, and how they are paid or not paid, whether they're career staff or volunteer staff, as that pertains to ground ambulance transports, and all the while detailing the number of hours worked and the wages and benefits paid to those staff members. Section 7 will definitely be the most tedious that you'll encounter in the cost data collection tool. CMS has used multiple webinars to assist all of us in understanding how to properly complete the reporting in this section. We will likewise break down our discussion into multiple sessions covering paid and career personnel and then volunteer labor, but walking our audience through the various questions that they will encounter throughout the online process. Now, if your EMS agency has paid staff, then later you'll be completing sections 7.1 and 7.2. It could be that you have a mix of paid and volunteer staff. Volunteers are reported in 7.3, and you may possibly report your staff members in 7.1, 7.2, and 7.3. Keep in mind that the answers that you provide in these initial sections will determine what areas you're prompted to answer later on in Section 7, as it is with the entire reporting tool. But for the purposes of this discussion today, we will begin by breaking down tips on answering those two initial questions. Section 7, question 1, asks the respondent to check off boxes under the headings of paid staff or volunteer staff. Each of these individuals are to be labeled paid or volunteer in this section, which then sets the tone for other questions to follow. Please remember, if no answer is made to either the paid or volunteer areas, then there will be a second set of questions that will 
first of all, not populate or populate. And then you'll be asked to actually explain why you didn't answer any of the questions. The individual staff members to reported are EMS or response staff, and they include the following persons. For the EMT category, you'll be reporting out basics, intermediates, and paramedics, and you'll be reporting whether or not those individuals, again, are paid or volunteer. Next, there is an area to report healthcare personnel, such as nurses, doctors, respiratory therapists, or other medical staff that fall into that other healthcare personnel category. Again, you're going to be reporting for each of those whether those persons are paid or volunteer. Continuing question one now looks for EMRs and then has a separate area to report your ambulance staff that are non-EMTs or EMRs that you label simply as ambulance drivers. Once we get through those personnel members, the questions will move to asking whether your medical director is paid or volunteer. Next, you'll be asked to report on your administrative and facilities personnel. So for administrative, uh, they're asking you to report whether you have paid or volunteer staff that perform clerical duties, service human resources personnel, billing people, IT support, and et cetera. There's a separate category for management persons, be it executive directors, public information officers, and those persons who complete a management role. The next section asks for you to report paid or volunteer dispatch or call center persons. Then there's a section area, second area for vehicle maintenance and facility maintenance people, such as janitorial staff, laundry staff, repair persons, etc. Now CMS via the RAND Corporation is repeatedly reminding all potential respondents that each staff member should contribute to only one overall labor category for the purposes of answering Section 7, even if they perform multiple roles for your EMS agency. So for example, a paid EMT basic who also performs administrative duties should be reported in the response role category as overall an EMTB. But a paid administrator that handles billing and clerical duties and has no ground ambulance response role is then reported as primarily within the paid administration's facilities category based on his or her primary role in the organization. Now, the second upfront question, question two, is asking the respondents to report reasons why you may not have chosen any of the categories for question one. They made it kind of easy, so you can choose from a list of pre-populated reasons that they feel cover most of the scenarios, but luckily they also added an other free text area where you can, if you cannot answer any of the other questions, you can type in a brief response as to why you were unable to answer and place a reason in any of the other pre-populated categories. The pre-populated answers for you to choose from include these. First, 
the labor category is part of our grand ground ambulance operation, but is paid for or provided at no cost by another entity. And that would be a good reason why you didn't report direct costs as either a paid or volunteer person. Second choice, reason one or more staff do perform these functions, but we assign these staff to another category per the instructions. So you may not answer it here, but you're gonna answer it later because it's part of another scenario. And then finally, the last pre-populated answer as to why you didn't answer in question one is this. We do not have staff in this labor category related to our ground ambulance operation and or we contract with another organization for this role. Now take note, two of the choices that we read include reference to indirect costs attributed to another entity, such as other entities paying for labor or even referencing a contracting agreement for those persons. There will be areas for you to report paid by others or a contractual relationship later in the cost reporting tool. Those scenarios are not to be reported in Section 7. And that pretty much covers Section 7, Question 1 and Question 2. We'll be back soon with another episode to take you deeper into the staffing and labor cost section. Now remember, subscribe and listen to all of our episodes using iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, or any other podcast's favorite channel of your choice. Simply search for EMS Board and Collar. We are super glad you joined us today. And always remember to be safe out there. <laughs>